everybody, and welcome to episode 35 of the Coach's Journey podcast. It's Robbie here, and if you are a listener who loves the episodes where it's just me and there is no guest, um, then you are in for a treat because that's what this episode is. Um, so, uh, at the end of last year, I published a book. It's called How to Start When You're Stuck, um, the full title, um, only partly this long. Uh, in order to get some extra Amazon SEO keywords in, uh, is how to start a book, business, or creative project when you're stuck. Practical inspiration to help you get your idea off the ground. I think I've actually just got that wrong. Practical inspiration to get your idea off the ground. I've just looked at a copy of the book that I've got next to me. Um, and one of the interesting things about you know creating a brand, really, um, and certainly you know publishing a book does this too you know i imagine this is true for everyone but suddenly when you've published a book you start seeing everything through the frame of that book and in this case for me that's been exciting because as the 12 minute method books have come closer i've started seeing them the 12 minute method everywhere in my life and sometimes in other people's lives and realizing that you know one of the questions that 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 my resistance and procrastination and, and fear is always asking is yeah but like who are you to say this have you really got anything to say here and so it's a it's a real relief to notice the 12 minute method in other places but as the book was coming closer and then this 12 minute method brand for the series was emerging um you know, things started to get a little interesting for me because it's like, it's the second brand I have. Well, maybe the third. So I've got my coaching business. Um, then I've got the coach's journey. And now I've got the 12-minute method. And, you know, one of the questions I started to ask myself was, well, how do those two brands, particularly the 12-minute method and the coach's journey, relate? And do they? And I think the answer is probably always yes to that question, as long as you have been authentically creating um, so if, if I've been authentically creating the coach's journey, which I have been doing my absolute best to do, um, and then I have been authentically creating the 12 minute method, which again, I've been doing my best to do. And we're going to talk about the story of the 12 minute method in this episode. And in some ways, it's a pure authenticity practice. And that's one of the things that I've been practicing every week for now five and a half years. Um, because it's, it's just writing from the heart from the moment and sharing it and seeing what happens. It's like, here I am what are you going to do with that world? Um, and it's, that's what I needed to do. That was the, the thing that scared me at the start. But, but if both things are authentic to me, right, then of course they're going to have something in common because they have me in common. And I think that's a really important, um, in some ways, uh, it's, it's, the, the, it's one of the early lessons I learned about branding. When my friend Nicole and I ran a, a personal branding workshop for alumni at UCL, you can find it on YouTube, actually, put a link in the show notes. Um, it's from quite a few years ago now, so it'll be funny to, to, for people who know me now to watch it back and, and see what they think. Um, but I think what we realized is you get in trouble with your personal brand when you aren't authentic because it's really hard to maintain something that isn't authentic. And at some point, you're going to slip. So if you aim to just be you everywhere, then, you know, if a brand is really about building up trust, then that will build up, you know, if you, if you are you everywhere, brackets with skill, of course. Um, but if you are you everywhere, then your brand will be coherent. Whereas if you're trying to be something in one place, like, and we've all had this, it's like we've had an old job and we've been kind of trying to fit in and then we've moved to a new job. We're someone different there because we're free to be someone different. We're free to choose again. Um, and sometimes those phases are really important for discovering who we are. That's certainly how I look back on some of those things. But those two yous, they're not necessarily coherent. And when I look back at some of the me's I've been, they, they don't quite match up. Um, in all kinds of different places, jobs, family situations, you know, all kinds of places. They don't quite match up with who I am now. 
Anyway, that's a long way of saying, do these two brands intersect? Like, do they have something in common? The answer is yes. And this episode really is going to be my way of telling some of that story of bringing the 12-minute method into focus for coaches, um, thinking about how I have applied it or really how working on my coaching business helped me develop the 12-minute method in a, in a whole bunch of different ways and, and how the coaching business was in some way in some ways the first place that I tested some of the principles that became the 12-minute method. Um, so I'm really excited to do that in this episode. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell the story of, of the 12-minute method. Then I'm going to pull out um, some of the key principles for building your own 12-minute method. Um, there are kind of there were three of them that I had originally, and then two more emerged j- during the recording of this episode. So it's like there's now kind of five parts of it, although it won't sound that organized when you hear it. <laughs> then I'm going to talk a little bit about how um, how I applied the 12-minute method to my coaching business, like what I did as I built it that looks to me now, now that I look back through the frame of the 12-minute method, like I was applying it, even though it didn't exist back then. I'm going to talk a little bit about specifically then how I would advise people to build a 12-minute practice for their coaching business. Um, That involves talking about the Prosperous Coach approach. It involves some of the developed thinking that I've done around that. A lot of what I've learned from people like Rich Litvin and Toku McCree and Giovanna Capoze is in there. Um, And uh, yeah, and then we'll talk a little bit as well about like some specific 12-minute practices that you could choose. At the end, I'm going to tell you the one that I would recommend. You know, you'll kind of, when we get to talking about possible 12-minute practices around the prosperous coach approach you'll hear what it is but i'll say it again at the end to make sure it's really clear um and uh i also talk about some other ways to use those indicators to build your coaching business so because the the um what is it the the, you know the 12 minute method is a tortoise not hare approach but you might want to do hare and then tortoise or tortoise hare tortoise and as long as any bits of hare you do are surrounded by tortoise you're in a good place and what we don't want is burst of activity and then nothing for years. That's that's less good than tortoise for years. And we'll get to that over the course of the episode. Um, so the, 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 it's worth saying, though, that the other reason um, at the start that I am doing this episode here is because I have set myself uh, a bit like... We'll talk about outrageous challenges in a coaching business in a little while. But I have set myself an outrageous target this year Um to appear uh, and, well, to tell the story of the 12-minute method on 100 podcasts. Um, And there's a few reasons for that. One is that those outrageous challenges really helped me. I'll say this again later, but, you know, um, they, they get me out of my own way, they get me creative, and they get me asking for help. So, uh, on that, um, and again, I'll ask you this again at the end, so don't forget it. Um, if you know any podcast that you think I would be a great guest on, please let me know. Um, connect me to the host. If you've got a podcast and you want to have me on, I'd love to be on it. Um, we'll find a way to make the 12-minute method relevant. Um, or if you know a podcast that you think I'd be a great guest on and you want to introduce me to the host or just suggest to the host that I'd be a good guest, then please, please do. Um, you know, the topics of the 12-minute method, pro- uh, procrastination, productivity, writing, creativity, habits, um, all those all those good things um, around books, around businesses, around any creative project, around changes. You know, there's a lot of scope to talk about this thing because, because it's a fairly fundamental thing. It's about practice. It's about habits. It's about how if you do something regularly over a period of time, a um, long period of time, you change and magic magic happens and you you sometimes make magical things um part of the reason i set myself that challenge is because of what i said about about outrageous challenges and part of it is because 
I did some work with Robert Holden last year um, in his Success Intelligence Mastermind. And that mastermind really is about asking yourself in lots of different ways over and over again, uh, what is success? And then what Robert likes to do is ask, what is real success with real in italics or underlined? And so I've got, I practiced doing that during the mastermind and I've got better at doing it. And I remembered to do it for this book. And I thought about what is success? And at first, what I had was, you know, selling books, um, creating some more clients through that, getting to know more people, uh, making some money. Um, and then I asked, what is real success? Or another way of asking that, which is fun to play with clients, is um, if you got that thing. So, Mike, so, oh, Robbie, you want to sell some books? Yeah. If you got that thing, if you sold some books, what would you get that's even more important than, um, than selling the books? And that's the same as, yeah, but Robbie, for this book, what is real success? And when I asked that question, what came back for me was inspiring people to make things, inspiring people to start things. That that success for me like would be someone getting in touch saying, I've been wanting to do this thing for six years. And then I came across your work and now I finally started. And there's almost nothing um, as meaningful in for me in my work right now as that. Uh, as those kinds of stories. Because I really believe that the way we change the world is by ordinary people making things happen, doing things, doing the right thing, doing the good work, you know, creating, taking small leadership, um, all those things, um, changing their little corner of the world, changing your little corner of the world. And one of the things I realized is I, when I got that answer, inspiring people to start, having those stories come back to me, is I don't need to sell a book to do that. In some ways, I need to tell the story of the 12-minute method. because, And I knew that because I'd already done it. Before the book came out, I ran a, a workshop in Seth Godin's Akimbo community. I told the story of... The, it was a 20-minute workshop, I think. I told the story of the book in about five minutes. I'm going to tell a longer version um, uh, in this episode. Um, and then I... Uh, and then I got them all to write for 12 minutes. Uh, how to write a book in 12 minutes was the workshop. And, and they all started, of course, write a book in 12 minutes, brackets, a week for three years, is how I wrote these four books. Um, but... That was powerful. People got in touch with me then and later. Like one of my favorite things was like like two years later, a woman got in touch with me saying, I just want to say that is still inspiring me to get more stuff done, to, to start things, to send emails without procrastinating them on for as long, all these kinds of things. It's absolutely amazing. And two people who were, who were in that workshop who then became part of a writing group that, that I ran for a while in, in the Akimbo community um, published their books, written essentially started from that 12-minute practice um, they published their books before mine, which is absolutely amazing. So huge congratulations to David Reynolds, David B. Reynolds and uh, Karina D'Souza. You know, really amazing that they that they did that. I'm so proud to have played even a tiny part in that. And they were both generous enough to write a little um, a little dedication in the front of, of how to start when you're stuck. Um, but so that's it. So that's why I'm going to tell this story today. And I hope that it inspires you. And then I'm going to try and help you... Um, Build a 12-minute practice for your coaching business. Get into action if you're not, um, or think about some new action that might help you uh, if you are. So um, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, like I'll say at the end, you know, get in touch with me if I can help with any of this. There's, there's a new free 12-minute method Facebook group, so come search that out. You can find a link from robbyswale.com there from the 12-minute method pages. Just search Facebook, you'll find it. Um, and yeah, look, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm really glad you're here. And um, before I go, just to say um, another place that if you want to, I'll say this again at the end, but if you want to play with me creating a 12-minute practice for your coaching business, the Coaches Journey community is also a good place to do that. Um, so uh, it's worth saying that, that now's a good time to join if you want to try it out because the March call is open to all members. So you can join at the £10 level um, 
you can uh, and try the call in March. And if you don't like it, um, you can stop. And no hard feelings. Like that's part of the what makes it the most flexible, affordable way to work with me. But if you like it and you want to stay or sign up, um, uh, you can um, you, or upgrade your membership. Of course, you can, um, and that could be a cool place to to do that. Uh, and also a big thank you um, to their ongoing support from supporters and members, particularly uh, Alex McIntyre, Alex Swallow, Ruth Savile, Ken Brewer, and, and Joey Owen. Um, so thank you so much to all of you. Your support means a lot to me. Um, the last thing to say about the Coach's Journey community um, is that the prices are likely to go up at the start of April. Not much, just like 10%. Um, Anyone who's already in signed up, their, their price won't go up. Um, but so, if, but if you've been thinking about joining, uh, you know, if that gets you over the edge, uh, it's, it's been going for over a year now. So I know that it works. So I feel comfortable to just put the prices up a little bit, and I'm going to do that. Um, but uh, yeah, if you so so, it's another good reason to uh, try it out now. Try it out in the March call, um, and uh, then um, get get your membership to where you want it to be before the start of April. So. Um, that's a little bit of extra business happening. I'm glad I remembered um, before we start. But hope you love this episode. Um, I really enjoyed making it, although I had to beat my own procrastination procrast- procrastination and resistance to do it. Um, took me several sittings because of all kinds of, of things and problems, tech, tech issues, um, you know, all the other resistance. But it's here. I'm really glad I've made it. Um, this is one of those 100 podcasts. Uh, it definitely has to be one of those. Um, I did say last time I made an episode, I think it was episode 18, that it was just me, that I would get someone to interview me next time because it was so hard work to do it by myself. Maybe it was good to break it up this time, but you'll still hear me kind of metaphorically rubbing the back of my hand across my forehead at different points. Um, and yeah, yeah, and maybe um, someone interviewing me on this show about the 12-minute method can be another um, another episode of my one of my 100 podcasts. You've got to get creative when you do a big challenge. If you've got ways to kind of semi-cheat, but also not cheat, um, bend the rules, create the rules, you've got to do it. So that's that's definitely what this is. Um, yeah, and if you'd like to interview me about the 12-minute method on this show, um, let me know. Uh, enjoy this episode. I've loved making it. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Um, and yeah, keep creating things. So the 12-minute method really starts in a coach engagement with Joel Monk, um, who many of you might remember from episode six of the podcast. Um, The work with Joel had an enormous impact on me. Uh, It it was where I started applying the Prosperous Coach principles. It was where my business really took off. It was where I really learned the power of coaching. And and one of the places that I learned the power of coaching, I don't think I knew it at the time. At the time, I would have said it was was, what I learned from that engagement was about impossible goals coming true, which was amazing, and about, you know, how these outrageous challenges can sometimes really energize us and and much more. But looking back, one of the absolute most significant moments was 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 creating my 12-minute writing practice. And I've been telling the story, which is true, that that, that was a lot about um that I was feeling really anxious about sharing anything online, anything on the internet, even posting a joke on Facebook um, filled me with anxiety. And that's definitely true. I don't think it had always been true, but but at that moment, with a lot of challenges around my identity, with awareness that I was starting a business, a coaching business that, that might require me to share things online, that felt really important. But I, I was thinking about it this week, having, having told the story just that way, that that's not quite everything, because we were also working on writing. Somehow that was calling to me, um, sharing myself online, sharing my work. But I think writing specifically, I'd you know, for example, in our work before we created the twelve minute writing practice, 
I'd published uh, a poem on LinkedIn, which is like it feels like a crazy thing to do looking back. Um, I'd also uh, I'd written an article based. Joel had shared with me Marsh, I think it's Marshall Gans's um, three stage storytelling technique, which is which which was used in Barack Obama's second presidential campaign, which is tell the story of self, then the story of us, then the story of now. And I used that to write. Um, an article you can find it on my website called something like uh, how possibility and optimism can change the world and so we'd obviously been working on writing and at some point in that I'd told Joel um how how much I loved my train journey from Clapham Junction to London Waterloo um and it was a short journey and I think one of the reasons I loved it, and I, I wrote about this in a in a, a twelve minute piece that I think will be in the second book of of the twelve minute method series, which will probably come out in April or May, um, if if all goes to plan. Um, the, the, there's something about when we're like on the train, I'm already moving, so at the time I had a lot of concern about my potential fulfilling it, a lot of anxiety about time wasted around how my previous life didn't count or wasn't enough and how every every moment mattered really and I wanted to be moving in the right direction and on the train I was free of that because I was already doing a really productive thing which was moving across land faster than I could do it in in pretty much any other way and so there was some freedom to that and I used to like reading on that on the train listening on the train and I had the idea of writing on the train and that had emerged and and then as I remember it, the, the kind of magical moment really was that Joel, who in a previous life was a visual artist, said, you know, I used to like creating series of paintings. And so we designed a, an experiment um, that I would write on the train in the next two weeks. I was going on holiday in two weeks. Uh, at the time, I was working part-time at Claw Leadership Program and working on my coaching business part-time. So I was at the office three days a week and working on coaching two days a week. And so I was getting the train, I think, five times in the next two weeks. And so that meant 10 journeys. And I committed to writing five articles on the train. And the practice would be write while the train's moving, stop when it stops, proofread it once, and post it online. And so it was a practice in sharing. And it was also a practice in writing. And we did a few things to make it to make it manageable because this was quite, really quite a scary thing for me to do. Um, the hovering over the post button was a moment of anxiety and resistance, you know, um, about anything, like I said, but let alone something I'd written. And I'd been practicing the fear and facing it and being courageous. And I'd done that, right? That was why um, the poem was up there. The other article was up there. But this was a this was a different kind of experiment. And... The ways we, we, we set up to make this more manageable was, one, I would post it in LinkedIn because I thought we thought that, or I thought that no one really read LinkedIn. Um, and it's certainly fewer people posted articles or uh, and read, read, read content on there than I think do now. Um, and certainly it was less of a pressure place than Facebook. I think it probably still is. Um, and secondly, I would do things like I would tell people that it was it was a series. Uh, the, the the bottom of the article said something like, "This is a post in a short series of articles written on my train journey, proofread once and posted online." A short series, which has now been going for five and a half years. Um, so I found these ways to take some of the pressure off, and of course, writing for just the train journey took the pressure off. It made it um, just be creative and see what happens and release all the pressure of making the, the perfect article. It's never going to be. You're writing it on the train. All that kind of thing was released. So my internal pressure and any external pressure was lessened because, you know, anyone who criticized me 
for, for the quality of writing or, or the topic of something that I'd written in, you know, a, a few minutes on the train, you know, I, I don't need to take that seriously, right? They're only, they're being a, 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 an asshole about it. Um, and so I did that. I posted five and I did five as well because I'd heard Tim Ferriss say um, that he cre- when he started his podcast, he created five episodes because he knew he'd be kind of embarrassed by the first one. It wouldn't be very good. And so he needed to commit to making five so that by the time he got to five, he'd have a better sample size and be able to make a more um, a more valid uh, assessment of whether it was something worth continuing. So I, I did five. That felt right. Um, I did that again, interestingly. So, you know, lots of the things that I learned from this practice, I took into other practices. And we might talk about that a little bit later on, how how the podcast, too, um, is in some ways built using the 12-minute method. And um, certainly I started by making recording five episodes before I released any because that felt like um, important for a number of reasons, including um, not giving up after one. So I did... I did that. I did those five. And it turned out some people did read LinkedIn. Um, I don't think that I got any comments on the first one, maybe not on the second one, but I got some likes. And that was kind of amazing. Some people have read this. And not only that, which they didn't have to do, but not only that, if they've clicked this like button, which they really didn't have to do. And there we had it. Something was happening. And although it hadn't necessarily been easy to post those things, it hadn't been nice, I felt it was it had been good. And that's a, a distinction that I think is sometimes important. You know, sometimes we know something isn't nice, doesn't feel fun, um, but it's the right thing to do. Uh, you know, exercise is often one of those things. It feels good and it feels good afterwards. Um, certainly, it doesn't necessarily feel nice, right? The pain of the, the, the end of the hit session or the end of the run or whatever it is. Um. And then I went on holiday after those five articles and I thought about it. And that sense that it had been the right thing to do, that it was the right thing to do, that it was a good thing to do, that was enough for me to commit to continuing the practice. But I managed it. And again, I don't know why I was smart enough to do this, but I was, to take it down. It wasn't going to be every day. I'm hugely admiring of people that do do stuff every day. But that wasn't me. That was too much. Um, five over two weeks was too many, in, felt like too many in the long term. And one a week felt about right. So I committed to writing one a week, I think, until Christmas. Um, and and I did it. And then at Christmas, I decided to continue. And now I've been writing these articles for, like I say, five and a half years. There are over 200 of them um, and counting. I just posted a new one just before I, I um, rec- started recording this episode. And what an achievement that is. Five and a half years and 200 articles. Not quite every week. Like, not when I was on holiday. Um, and a couple of times, I went through a phase of not posting them because, for a tactical reason. Because I was posting something else, on, on, for example, on LinkedIn. And I didn't want to detract from that. I didn't want, I want everyone to read about the Coach's Journey um, group coaching program when I was running that, for example. I, I didn't want LinkedIn to show people one, my article and not that. These days I wouldn't do that. These days it, it always goes out, no matter what else I'm posting about. Um, and then what was something interesting happened. So about three years in, just under, so sometime spring, early summer 2019, uh, I had an idea. And it was partly inspired by Seth Godin um, releasing a giant book, really beautifully designed book, compilation of his blog posts, um, 
And I looked at that and I thought, ah, oh, that was somehow the spark of an idea. I can make a book of my blog posts. And, you know, that felt like a fun idea for a start. But also one of the kind of marketing traps that I sometimes fall into uh, came into play with it. Um, I was aware by that point that I sometimes fell into this trap. Um, and, it, and it goes something like this. Uh, first of all, I don't do something because it feels like it's too much effort. And maybe that is even resistance to do it. And then at some point, not doing it becomes resistance. So the example that I'd really seen this clearly with was when I first didn't have a mailing list. So I was posting my articles, my 12-minute articles on LinkedIn and some other ones. And at some point, uh, you know, and, and it's really true that, that making a mailing list for a coach can be resistance. It's procrastination, right? You don't need a mailing list in order to, to create clients. And really, in fact, you don't need a mailing list for anything to do with the coaching business unless as part of your coaching business, you happen to be doing some other things like writing articles when you might want to have it. But mostly it's just resistance to set up a mailing list. Like don't spend your time doing that. Spend it, spend it creating clients. And we might talk more about that later on. But I was creating stuff that felt important to me. Um, it, you know, it, it was me pursuing something that I knew was a part of me by that point. And I realized that at that point, by not having mailing lists, I was just hurting the people who most wanted to read my writing. And that felt really bad, actually. Like, I, I thought of one of my brothers-in-law, particularly, and yeah, he didn't really go on LinkedIn. Maybe he wasn't even on it. And he caught some of my articles via Twitter. But it was like, if I had a mailing list, he could sign up to that. And then he could read the articles. And, and that's good for him. And it's lovely for me. So let's start our mailing list. And what I realized about the book idea was, well, I had like 130 odd articles on LinkedIn by that point. But LinkedIn is quite hard to find your way to the articles, let alone to read 130 of them. I thought, well, look, for those maybe, I don't know, 10 family members um, across my family and my wife's and the 10 people who like those articles the most, they might want to read the ones they haven't read because probably even the people that are most interested in it hadn't read them all. So I thought, okay, maybe I'll make a book. And I thought it'd be funny. I could call it, I wrote this book in 12 minutes, which is a challenging title. And it is a, I hope, kind of inspirational title. It's like, if I can write a book in 12 minutes, brackets, a week for three years, you don't really have an excuse for not doing that thing you want to do. Like start doing it, start putting those 12 minutes of time in. And so I was planning to publish that book and I got my friend Steve, um, who is an old friend of mine and works as an editor um, and a copywriter. And in fact, he, these days, um, he writes the copy for the Coach's Journey podcast. So you've, you've read some of his work. I thought I'd get him to do some light editing on, on um, that book. The 12, I wrote this book in 12 minutes and it felt like I needed some help on it and, and he was going to help with it. And he asked me a great question as he sometimes does, which was, can the book itself, the content of it, do what the title does? Can the book itself help people to get their ideas out into the world? And that was a great question. And I thought I'd better find out the answer to that. Can it? And as part of that, I was just remembering just last night uh, that, that I had a coaching session with Katie Harvey, who many of you remember will remember from episode one and also I, don't, I think it's like episode 14 or something or 12, the one about coaching during coronavirus. Um, I had a coaching session with Katie where we started talking about that and, and she coached me on it. And I, I came up with like, okay, if I'd written about 
the creative process about how people can get an idea out into the world and can make something like a book um, one step at a time, what would the stages of that be? And I thought about it and I came up with that list and it's in the back of a notebook somewhere now. And then I printed off all the 12-minute articles from the first three years and I sat in the living room in our flat and I dealt them out. I I, I saw, can these be dealt out into those piles of those stages? Um, and the stages were... Are you know are now going to be the the four twelve minute method books that'll come out this year. So those stages being start, keep going, create the conditions to do great work, and then at some point share your work. And I sat down with all these pieces, 130, 140 of them, and dealt them out. And it turned out it was amazing. Amazingly, almost all of them did. Almost all of them were about starting or keeping going or creating the conditions for great work or sharing your work. I kind of couldn't believe this. It felt magical. Like I hadn't just written any book. I'd written a book about something and about something that I was fascinated by. And then as I thought about it, it made more and more sense because I'd been writing in this quite strange way, which was just to write about the things I was most interested in almost that day. Sometimes I'd get on the train um, and I, I didn't even... Uh, I didn't even know what I was going to write about, but I knew I had to write because it was Friday. It was the end of the week. And so I'd just sit and I'd wait and I'd get, have my fingers hovering over the, the keypad on the phone. And then I'd have to start writing and something would come. So I'd been writing in this emergent way. And I'd been writing in a very particular time in my life over a period of three years where I was wrestling with my own creative demons i was wrestling with my, fighting my creative battles you know i was uh doing this writing practice and writing other things i was starting my business and having all the wrestling that i had to do around that i was getting loads of coaching and dealing with all the ways that i was getting in my own way um and i was coaching people so the business i was starting was coaching people and coaching is in a way just helping people do the thing they want to do that they don't know how to do yet or they haven't started like if they'd done it if they knew how to do it or or could do it themselves they wouldn't be getting coaching so not only was i wrestling with how to start something and how to make something uh make a make a piece of work make pieces of work but the people i was supporting were doing that thing too and I was writing in this strange emergent way so retrospectively of course I was writing a book about that that's one of the things that I was most interested in why am I not doing these things that I want to do why are all these other people not doing these things that they want to do and how do we help me and help them to do those things and so I'd written a book a book about the creative process and it is still kind of gobsmacking to me um, that that was the case. Now I should say that at some point during this time I'd left that job at Claw Leadership Programme and so my I wasn't getting the train into the into London nearly as much and I realised I needed an alternative for the weeks when I didn't go into London on the train and so I worked out how long the train journey was one day and it was 12 minutes um, and uh, so on the weeks when I wasn't going to get the train I would set myself a timer for 12 minutes write while the timer was writing stop when the timer stops um, proofread it once and post it online. And so there you can see where the name, the 12-minute method emerged and where the name I wrote this book in 12 minutes emerged. Actually, I should have probably said that earlier in this story. And then after a couple of years, it took a couple of years of wrestling with that book, with that idea. And, and you know, that's that's why this is a book for me as much as it's for anyone else. Because, you know, as Stephen Pressfield says in The War of Art, I think it's in that one, 
you know, resistance is strongest near the finish line. Now, there were lots of good reasons for not publishing the book. I, I've written about some of them in a recent 12-minute article um, that, uh, you know, for example, I, I was f- trying to understand the publishing industry. Like, where is the the right place for this book to go? Where's the place where it can reach the most people? Um, and I actually got a publishing offer from a, from a small publisher. And, you know, I'm so grateful to him. It absolutely changed my life, the, the faith that he put on me. I walked around the park that day feeling like a different person. And that's an amazing insight into how our minds work because I was the same person, right? But I felt completely different. I looked at everybody else differently and I felt... I felt like I meant something more. I was something more. And and I hadn't changed. Nothing had happened except this man had shown some faith in me. In the end, it became apparent that he wasn't the right person for me to work with, uh, that that actually it wasn't the right place for the book, that that perhaps in the end, a publisher wasn't the right place for the book. I was looking for like, where is the the right place for the 12-minute method to sit? And I was trying to find who were the right people to work with. Another piece of Robert Holden's work is is that the next level of success requires a new level of collaboration. So I knew I needed to collaborate more and wanted to collaborate more, but it had to be the right people. And in the end, I found them, I think, in Tim and Joseph at um, selfpublish.co.uk. They've worked with me on the series, Uh, what's now the series. It helped that they they basically sold that themselves to me using the Prosperous Coach approach, which again, we might talk about later in this episode. Uh, And they just added huge amounts of value. Even from the first meeting, they made two suggestions, which uh, I I felt were exactly right for helping this work reach the most people possible. First of all, to um, split what was going to be one really quite long, chunky book into four shorter, more digestible ones. That just feels like exactly the right thing to do. Um, And they named the 12-minute method. How about, said Tim, it's the 12-minute method. And I thought, you know, that's good isn't it? Um, And so there'll be four books this year in the 12-minute method series. The first one is uh, How to Start When You're Stuck. Um, And the second one will be the Keep Going book. The third one will be Create the Conditions for Great Work. And the fourth one will be Share Your Work. And and my plan is to get that fourth one out by Christmas 2022. So there we have the story of the 12-minute method. Um, I am going to take another breath now, play another little sting, take a drink of water, uh, possibly have a break over the weekend, and poss- or possibly just come straight back, um, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of the key elements of the 12-minute method that we might then apply to a coaching business. So when I've been talking about the 12-minute method... Um, and thinking about how do you tell the story of it and how do you talk people through it and how do you help people create their own 12-minute method. One of the ways I've been thinking about it is that we need to think about who we want to become. So one of the amazing things about having a habit over a long period, and and let's not pretend that, that that isn't absolutely fundamental to this, like what sets this apart from Almost all the other things that I've done is it's something that I've done every week for five and a half years. So when I'm thinking about what is so transformational about this and like don't doubt for a second that the the 12 minute method, you know, is possibly the most single most transformational thing that I have ever done. And there are so many reasons for that. It's changed how I think. It's changed how I speak. um, It's changed how I think about myself. It's changed my identity. uh, It's changed my confidence. It's changed so much. And one of the biggest things is, you know, 
reasons for that is I know now I'm someone who can keep my promises to myself. I can keep a commitment going for five and a half years. That's like longer than my marriage. It's not longer than my relationship, but it's longer than my marriage. It's like, that's a long time. And like at the top of it, that's one of the things you can become if you just make a commitment to do something every day or every week for the next 10 years. Like what a commitment that is, what a difference it will make to you. So whatever it is, it will change who you are. But then to choose that thing, one of the important questions is, who do you want to become? And then if you want to drill down into that, one of the interesting things to think about is, what does what does that kind of person do? Like, you know, if you want to become a successful coach, what does a successful coach do on a regular basis? And then if then we have to design a practice that you can do in a few minutes that um, is that. And then you have to keep it going for (laughs) a few years, let's say. And for me, when I think about that process, if I look back, what I wanted to become really was somebody who could post things online, including things they'd written themselves, without it feeling awful. And amazingly, when I think back to that, that has happened. You know, I... I can write a 12-minute article about almost anything now. Um, and that hasn't always been the case, right? That's taken steps. For example, there's a chapter in in this book about uh, Jordan Peterson and about the, the sacred masculine and the sacred feminine. And, you know, <laughs> that's quite an edgy thing to write about in 2018 when Jordan Peterson is the lightning rod for pretty much the, the all the culture wars that are going on, when, uh, you know, gender, I mean, it still is, it's an incredibly charged topic. That was a scary one right? And and then just as the first one was scary because it contained all my fears about being ostracized and laughed at and criticized, um, you know, and, and, and gradually as time went on, that those fears went down. And then I would push myself like with that article about, um, about masculinity and femininity. And then once I'd done that and I hadn't died and no one had criticized me enormously, at least not as I remember, you know, my confidence increased. So gradually, over time, I becomes, became someone who can post almost anything online without feeling that, that, that truly awful feeling. I won't feel awful or even that nervous when I'm posting this episode. But that is because I have practiced over many years. So we might start, the power of the 12-minute method is, who do you want to become? And what does that kind of person do? The second thing we might think about is the long game. So what I feel like I've seen, one of the things that makes me chuckle to myself, is that when I was starting out on writing, there were people I knew in my network. The two that come to mind are my brother and Alex Swallow, who's a member of the of the Coach's Journey community now, um, who had written loads of articles, like loads I remember Alex having one which which was like celebrating. Uh, I know you won't mind me saying this, Alex, because we've we've joked about it before. Which was celebrating a um, hundred LinkedIn articles. In fact, it went viral for him around LinkedIn. I think like LinkedIn featured it, or the, the CEO shared it, or something. It was like, what I've learned from a hundred articles on LinkedIn, and I was like, a hundred articles—that's amazing. That's an enormous amount. And yet, I've written more than Alex now. I got to two hundred first. Now, I don't know why Alex is writing slowed down, but the 12-minute method to me feels like it's the story of the tortoise and the hare. Um, And look, of course, 
doing something, you know, loads and loads and loads, writing 10 articles a week instead of one would get you further than writing one article a week. But almost no one writes 10 articles a week over a period of six years. And here I am having written one article a week um, over a period of six years. And almost always, almost nothing um, is better than loads for a bit and then stopping. So almost nothing over a long period is almost always better. If your aim is to do a lot of work over a long period, if you're in something for the long haul, as you might be in your coaching business, then a little, slowly, steadily, not slipping, or when you're slipping, recommitting, beats enthusiasm and energy over a short period. And I'll have to talk to at some point, maybe we should get them both on, uh, Alex and my brother Ewan, um, to talk about to talk about the tortoise and the hare. Because I think it's a really interesting piece. Like, why is it that I've ended up writing more than them? What were those things? Now, of course, you have to get that habit right. That's why it's so important to think. That's why a 12 minutes is good, right? Because everyone can find 12 minutes in a week. And any week that you have, almost, you can find 12 minutes in it. So that goes back to when you design that 12-minute practice. So when you've worked out who you want to become and what do they do, and you make that into a practice... One of the games we're playing, if we're thinking about the long game and the tortoise and the hare, is how do you make something that you are confident you will have the time to do, you will be able to make the time to do, to create the space to do every week or even every day, if that's how you want to play, over a period of years. And if that's the game from the start, like I did that accidentally and maybe that was good for me, but now I can see the power of it, I'm starting to think of that in a different way. What are the things I can do every week this year to take the pressure off my 100 podcast challenge, for example? It's like, I'm in this for the, if I'm in this for the whole year, how do I do this? And I was getting super overwhelmed. How am I going to get on 100 podcasts? I can't even find the time to do it. And then it's a really good thing about having written a book about the tortoise and the hare, about habits, about being steady, about procrastination and beating it and being productive is I know how to deal with my overwhelm around that challenge. I put in a short amount of time every week, all year. It's in my diary now, 30 minutes every Tuesday morning. When that happens, sit down at the start, set a timer, work on the podcast challenge, trying to get on podcasts, doing the podcast admin, all that kind of thing. When the timer goes off, stop and move on to something else. 12-minute method, over 30 minutes for my 100-podcast challenge. So, who do you want to become? Are you in this for the long game? Uh, Almost nothing beats small and regular. Obviously, bigger and regular does, but that's much harder to do over a long period. The tortoise beats the hare. The third way to think about this, which um, had a really important impact on me in this story, not so much in creating the 12-minute writing practice or even the book, but in realizing how and why the 12-minute writing practice was so important, is this is the concept of practice. So there were kind of two ways that this really hit me until until it was so embedded in me that that I now make it part of my coaching, some of my coaching engagements, kind of sell it on the basis that we'll create a practice, a way for you to develop the capabilities that are important to you. This happened to me in two ways, really, and I've heard other people talk about other things. One was I read the book Bounce by Matthew Syed, um, and I I wrote an article about it recently, um, a 12-minute article. But it's like 
in that book, he makes an incredibly convincing argument that talent exists almost not at all, if at all. And I wouldn't have thought I could be as convinced about that as I am, but I think he's right. I know there are other books that make similar arguments. Miles Downey, actually, who was who was a guest on the podcast, his book, Enabling Genius, makes a similar argument. But it's like, about Syed does it about things that I just wouldn't have thought you could make it. You know, one of the most memorable ones. You know, he makes con- very convincing arguments about... Um, about Ethiopian long-distance runners and Jamaican sprinters, that it isn't, in fact, in the genes, that it's something else. And you'd have to read the book to find the details of those stories, but they're very convincing. And even if he's wrong about some of those things, what it showed me was that I was thinking about practice and talent really wrong. So I was thinking far too much about talent. And in my life, I'd given up on things far too often because I speech marks didn't have talent at it. When if I'd really known how much of it was about practice, that I would have continued or thought about it differently or persisted more. So that really put the idea of practice into me. And then on a on a Coach's Rising training that called The Power of Embodied Transformation, Coach's Rising is Joel's company, um, and also that my brother, my brother works at too. So on that training, it might have been that Richard Strozzi Heckler said something like this as well, but I remember Alter Star saying it. And Alter said something like, we become what we practice and we are always practicing something. We become what we practice and we are always practicing something. And that is quite a hard-hitting thing to hear. Okay, so what am I practicing? You know, I'm practicing being miserable on Monday mornings, most Monday mornings. That's me, right? I'm practicing getting stressed about money. I'm doing all these things. I've got all these things I'm practicing. And what am I not practicing that I want to? And so one of the ways to think about this, to think about how you might develop a coaching practice, and again, I'm going to talk a little bit about what as a coach we might want to practice um, a, a little later in the episode but you can do this for yourself too. The question is, what do you wish you were good at? And, you know, this, I think the second or third chapter in How to Start When You're Stuck is, is, is the second best time is now. And that comes from what I've heard Seth Godin call a, a Chinese proverb. I, I don't know if it is, but, you know, the best time to plant an apple tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is now. So if there's something you wish you were good at... Um, the best time to have started practicing that would have been 20 years ago, uh, maybe more. Um, the second best time to practice it is right now, because then in 20 years, you'll be good at that thing. And if we're thinking about a coaching business, um, you know, what are the qualities you want to develop? What are the skills you want to develop? How do you want to be different in five years? And if you put in time to practice that thing every week in the next five years, in five years, you'll be really different at something. You know, your, your, your approach, the way you think about it, your talent, your confidence, all of those things will be really different. That's certainly what's happened to me with writing. You know, I am confident and comfortable at knocking out an article in 12 minutes. I am confident and comfortable about sharing things online. And if, like I've said before, or like I've said in this episode, and like, like Seth Godin says, you know, if you write how you think and you write how you speak, then how you think and how you speak will change when you practice writing. There's an insight that I've been trying to get my head around, I guess, as the podcast challenge goes on and the second book comes out, I'll have more chances to talk about it. But there's something about a long-term habit like this. Uh, let me try saying it again. It, it feels like... 
So it, it really puts time on your side. So instead of, if, if there's some way, you, something you want to be doing, you know, starting a, writing a book, starting a business, like instead of not having done anything about it for a week, if instead you've done something tiny, then over a long period of time, instead of that regret that you didn't start a long time ago building up, you, you know, you have something that you've made. You have something you've been doing over a period of months. And, and to me, that I don't think it quite does, but maybe it does. It's like it's not neutral to not start something because of the way regret builds up. And so, you know, that's the, the, the best time was 20 years ago. And, and so, but, so, so regret building up is not neutral. It makes it worse somehow. At least it, it has in my life the things I, I've regretted not starting. And so if instead you start, instead of having another week of regret, you have a week where you've done something where you've taken steps, where you've written an article, where you've, in my case, practiced Spanish, where I've taken some action towards getting engaged. That was another thing that essentially I thought in this way about, although I, I didn't think about it so actively. So it puts time on your side. So one of the questions becomes, if you're going to set up a 12-minute practice to do with your coaching business or otherwise, and of course the 12 minutes is pretty arbitrary, um, as shown by the fact that most trains don't go, you know, don't take 12 minutes to get from Clapham Junction to Waterloo. Only a few, few times a day do they. It was a random amount of time. You know, my 12-minute um, practice for the podcast challenge is 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be 12 minutes. But if you're going to create a practice like that, what do you wish you were good at? What in five years do you want to have been practicing for five years? And I'm going to talk uh, a little bit more about that. Um, and about what I might recommend, how I did it in my coaching business, what I might recommend, how we might think about it in terms of that amazing book, The Prosperous Coach, and, and some of the things that Toku McCree said in his episode and has said in his work. And we're going to talk a bit more about that um, in, in the rest of this episode. But first, going to play a sting, take another break. Okay. So it's important to say a few things about how how I, you know, I was going to say how I applied the ideas of the 12-minute method to my coaching business, but really it's the other way around. Really, in some ways, the first place that I started to apply the principles uh, of the 12-minute method before the writing practice was in my coaching business. Because if I get my timeline right, that engagement with Joel started shortly after I'd gone part-time. Um part-time at Claw Leadership Program in my in my speech marks day job and part-time coaching. So I had two days a week for coaching. Roughly then was when I knew I needed to find a, a new coach and I found Joel. And then that summer was when we developed the 12-minute the method. But um, I'd been practicing in some ways this before then. And the reason for that was, um, and, and what I owe a lot of the 12-minute method and my success to, is the book The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. You know, I've written about that before. Um... But, uh, you know, you'll see if you read How to Start When You're Stuck, the principles from Stephen Pressfield quotes, the idea of resistance cropping up everywhere. Now, one of the absolute key things that I took from The War of Art, which, you know, I quote The War of Art to clients and other people a lot, but I don't often talk about this one. You know, essentially, it's one of the first things that in The War of Art, Pressfield says something like, there's a there's a thing that a secret that writer that successful writers know that wannabe writers don't. It's not the writing that's the hard part; it's the sitting down to write. And essentially, the the turning point of of one of the parts of the War of Art and also of Pressfield's book Turning Pro is 
you know, what a professional does is they sit down when work starts and they they stand up when work stops. And, and you'll get that, you get, you know, you've heard me say that twice about the 12 minute method in this, um, in this episode. And, you know, really that was what I did when I had those two days, you know, I had read that I realized how pernicious procrastination could be. Um, and so I knew that on those days, it was Monday and Tuesday, I would sit down at nine o'clock or 9.30, I can't remember what time it was, and I would work. Even if I didn't know what I was going to work on, I was going to sit down and work. And I was going to do work. And the most important thing was I was going to sit down. <laughs> and then I was going to do my best to do the best work I could in that time, the most effective work, but most important... Above all, and this is why starting and keeping going are the first two stages, like they are the most important conditions for great work. If you're not start if you haven't started and you're not keeping going, um, you're not gonna create great work and you're not gonna be successful. Like there has to be some time where you sit down and do work and reading the war of art helped me really turn my uh, ability to be disciplined onto my coaching business and it helped me practice it and later on I'm sure that was an important that's been an important part of so many elements of my success it's like develop the practice of at the very least sitting down for the time when you're supposed to be working later on we can work on okay how do we stop ourselves getting sidetracked away from the important things first of all sit down on Monday and Tuesday for me work on my coaching business if I've got clients amazing if I haven't sit down do some work um uh, if you're not sure what to do, you can Google how to, you know, you can find loads of ideas in, on the journey.com, of course, and in the podcast. But, you know, you can just Google what what could I do to build my coaching business and you'll find loads of ideas. And, and, and look, there's an article by me about how I built mine and you can read that and it's got some good ideas in it. Again, it's important to think like the long game, the tortoise and the hare. Yes, it would be great if I knew exactly what to do on my coaching days. But if I do something nine to five, Monday and Tuesday, on my coaching business, then over time, things will really change. And in five years, I'll have spent two days a week. I'm more than five years in now, and I spent more than that, because at some point, the things I were doing were effective enough that I could leave that job at Claw Leadership Program. But, you know, after five years, two days a week of work, my business is going to be somewhere, almost certainly. Now, it's not quite certain, and we'll get to that in a sec, because there are some skillful things you could do. You could waste a lot of time. You could spend your whole time... Um, scrolling Instagram two days a week, um, that probably wouldn't grow your coaching business. Although it could. We, could, we could think about that. But that is fundamentally how I applied this to my coaching business. And then we'll talk about some other things that I kind of learned about. And, and then I guess really in that time, what I was doing, one of the things I was doing in those two days a week at first was learning, how do I grow this business? Like, what are the most effective things to do? How can I find the things I can do that are going to really help me do the thing that I want to be doing, which is having a successful coaching business. So I would get coaching in that time. I would do some learning in that time. I would soak up free opportunities to learn and, and get coaching and all kinds of things like that. And now I want to talk a bit about how you might be able to shortcut some of that learning. So one of the other things that I did at that phase in my coaching business was I read The Prosperous Coach. There are lots of things that are great about that book. You've heard me talk about it before. You know, you've heard many of my guests talk about it, you know, how reading that book was really fundamental. And, and it absolutely was for me. There were so many things in there. First of all, there were so many ideas for ways to spend my time and things that were important and a good dismissal of the things that weren't important in building a coaching business. When I look back now, though, what I what, one of the most important things about it is 
you know, let's let's call it the the four prosperous coach lead indicators. Um, now, I don't know if he, Rich calls Rich and Steve call that in the book. I think it's in one of the Rich chapters. It might be in a it's an appendix in the book, actually. I think. You know, and they are, and we'll talk a bit more about this um, as we go on. Well, maybe let's do the let's do like the quick catch up here. So, in, in the book, um, some people will know this, but it's for people who don't. One of the things that I think there are many things that are great about it. At a high level, I think it, it shows people a way to create a coaching business that is in line with their values, and it gives them the opportunity to create it. And one of the ways it does that is by providing, and certainly this is what I got from from being part of a prosperous coach salon with Rich Litvin, is um, it sets up, you know, it, it talks about, so Rich talks about lead indicators and lag indicators. And a lag indicator of having created a client is getting paid. That happens after the client is created. So judging yourself, like measuring that is a measure of what you've done in the past. It's not creating things for the future. But there are some things you can do to create things for the future. And in the book, I think Rich gives four, uh, but he also, in the Prosperous Coach Salon, measures another. So there are kind of five to think about. They are connect, invite, uh, so connecting to people, connecting to new people. Um, if you do that enough, um, you almost can't help create coaching clients. As long as you also, at some point, invite people into a coaching conversation. If you invite enough people into a coaching conversation, you almost can't help uh, create more coaching clients. As long as you also create powerful coaching experiences. And if you create lots of powerful coaching experiences for people, you almost can't help but create more coaching clients and if you, as long as uh, you make some proposals, which is that you say it costs X uh, pounds to work with me for Y months. And if you do that enough times, you almost can't help create some coaching clients. Another thing that Rich likes to measure or attracts in the, in the Prosperous Coach Salon or used to is uh, no's. So if you, do, if you get enough no's to working with you, you almost can't help but create some coaching clients. And another way to think about that, I, at some point I'll write an article about this. Uh, there's a concept from Jim Collins who wrote Good to Great's work called the flywheel. It gets used a lot in tech companies. Um, it, you know, the prosperous coach approach is basically a flywheel. It's like if you do if you do enough connecting, you almost can't help creating opportunities to invite people into coaching conversations. If you invite enough people, you you can't you can't help um, uh, doing creating more coaching uh conversations that are powerful and and so on to the proposals and the clients and the no's as well they're in there too so you know these are great indicators for how to if you do enough of those things you will create more clients and you will have a more successful business one of the things i love about toku mccree who who uh, i think he said this in the in the conversation we have if not i've read him say it elsewhere so there's a there's a there's a coach's journey podcast episode with toku um he definitely talked about that in like i think i heard it i think he he said it depends what you're practicing in response to one question i asked and one of the things that he did in his story is he he took each of those parts of the prosperous coach approach and he practiced them individually so first let's practice connecting with people let's really practice it then at some point, really practice inviting. At some other point, really practice proposing. Really practice how to create powerful coaching and uh, practice getting those. Um, and, and I think that's a really powerful way to look at it. And I hadn't really realized it, but one of the things that Joel guided me through in, um, in our work was to practice those things essentially separately. Now, look. I did practice them for my business, but the great thing about these five things, 
is that they are all a part of the person I would like to become. So whether or not they help you create a successful coaching business, in my view, they will, practicing these things will help you become, you know, the kind of person you probably want to be. Like I want to be the kind of person that can connect with new people that can form those connections, that can reconnect, that, that focuses on relationships in my life. I want to be someone who can make an offer to somebody and say, look, there's this great thing. We could do it together. Are you interested? Me practicing inviting people into coaching conversations made it so much easier to, for me to practice inviting people to be on this podcast. I want to be someone who can, who can do powerful coaching who can get really good at that. Like whether I quit my coaching business next next week or I never quit it, being able to sit down with somebody and create possibility with them and help them change their life is such, such a valuable thing to be able to do. I, look, I want to be able to accept my value and that it is worth paying me for something. And one of the ways to do that is to practice proposing, practice saying, look, it costs X pounds to work with me for Y months. Um... If I do that, then, then you know, I want to be someone also whose money stories don't tie them in knots, who relates to money in a healthy way, not in a kind of fearful, anxious way. And practicing making proposals helps do that. And I want to be someone who isn't afraid of rejection, who can handle getting no's without it feeling like their life is ending, which is what it used to feel like when I got no's in my coaching business. And, you know, so whilst, you know, we might think of these things as a way to, to grow a business, they're also a way to grow as a person. And I think for most people, a way, ways they would want to grow um, as people. There's a little aside, which isn't a part of the Prosperous Coach approach, which, which, but which I did have, have heard Rich Litvin talk about, you know, as part of that. And certainly it's something that he's done. Um, and it's something that the 12-Minute Method did, which is, as part of growing coaching business, there's probably one more thing that I think it, it, it's so it's less a part of the flywheel. It's less if you do this, you almost can't help but um, create a coaching business. But it can be really useful, which is to create a body of work. Now, the way that that is useful in a coaching business is what I found with the 12 minute method. Like I have created some clients because of my 12 minute writing. I think like I can think of one <laughs> who was who came essentially as an online person. That there might be more. So if you've been a client of mine and it, and it felt like it came via that, you found me because of my writing and then became a client. Maybe there are in the coaches journey community. Maybe there are some people, um, and I have created some clients like that too through the through the body of work. But the body of work's power really is in helping when you get to the coaching conversation, the sales conversation with somebody, um, the enrollment conversation, however you want to talk about it, it helps to have a body of work because then people can know you before they work with you. And that is an incredibly powerful thing um, for people to, to, to do, to be able to do. So creating a body of work can be another part of what you do when you sit down for your day of coaching or your two days. Um, but I would say it's a less urgent thing than connecting, inviting, creating, and proposing. So in a sec, I'm going to talk about how we might create a 12-minute practice, where in the Prosperous Coach approach a 12-minute practice might sit, and how you might do that. Okay, 
let's get real. Let's start with connect. So let's say you've decided that the first part of the first part of the prosperous coach approach that you want to practice is connecting. Um, that's the thing that you want to be someone who can connect with people, who is a connector, um, who is who is doing that thing where you create new relationships and you strengthen them. So when um, Rich is defining this, I mean, you can define this however you like, but when Rich is defining this in that approach, and I think this is really smart, you know, it's like, are you connecting with a new person? And this isn't just adding someone on LinkedIn. When I have rules, when I'm tracking my connections, it's like it can be somebody via social media, but only as long as you've got into an exchange on that social media where you feel like you've you've created something deeper with them. You've learned something about them or you've had a chance to find out from them about their work and they've had a chance to find out from you about yours. Of course, it's meeting somebody new at an event, at a party, but only at a time when, again, you might contact them again. So like where it's possible for them to contact you again, where it's like, you know, where there's a chance that they, where they've learned something about you and you've learned something about them. And there's a chance you might contact them again in the future. And it can also be connecting people to each other. So when I may, I, when I see an opportunity to make an introduction where I think both people will be thrilled, I do that because that is connecting. And that's a part of creating a powerful coaching business. Um, and because I've practiced that over a period of months with Rich, and we did that in a slightly different way, I'll, I'll talk about the kind of other ways to practice these things in a, in a few minutes. Um, because I've, and now I've practiced that a lot, I'm comfortable with it. I do it kind of naturally as part of my work, but you could absolutely make a 12 minute method practice out of this. Uh, for example, Giovanna Caposa, who was on the podcast, uh, I'm not sure she talks about it in her episode, but I've heard her talk about, uh, having some connect time in the week. So it's like, here's an hour. It's every Monday morning or every Wednesday afternoon. And I'm going to sit down for that hour and I'm going to think about connecting and I'm going to find somebody new or I'm going to reconnect with somebody I used to connect with, or I'm going to introduce somebody to each other, or in that time, I'm going to book in a coffee um, with somebody who I want to have a coffee with, so we can, or I'm going to reach out to people to book in coffees that I want to have a coffee with. So you can, you could like schedule that time in. If you did it every week, uh, then, then you're, you almost can't help but create coaching clients in the end. Let's think about invite. So I've given these invitations in multiple places before. Um, there were two invitations that I learned from a woman called Carolyn Freya-Jones, which changed the game for me because I didn't know how to invite people until that point. And then she gave me two, she gave two invitations on a Coaches Rising training co uh, call that I was on that, that were just like are repeatable to infinity. Um, and to be honest, if <laughs> I was thinking about this just before I switched on the recording, like if you've heard me give these invitations before and your coaching business isn't in the state you want it to be in and you're not sending at least one of each of these invitations every week then I'm not sure how serious you are and that is the 12 minute practice that I would suggest so I don't know how long it'd take you might need 30 minutes 15 minutes for each of these to write the email but as time goes on it'll get quicker the two invitations that you can just repeat to infinity are um first of all an invitation about for people who um you know who have a great network who know you. And you might say to them, um, hi there, look, I'm doing some work to grow my coaching business and I know you know me and therefore might refer people to me. Um, and you have a great network and I know that you believe in my work. You know, you have to make this true so you can change the language if it doesn't quite work. Um, I'd love to gift you uh, a coaching conversation, not because we might become a client, you know, because probably we know each other too well um, to work together, but because the best way for you to be able to refer the right people to me is to really know what coaching's like. Um, and the only way to do that really is to be coached by me. So I'd love to offer you a coaching session as a gift from me um, 
uh, and just so that whenever you come across someone who who you might need some coaching, you'll really know and you'll be able to, with full integrity, say, do you know what? You should speak to Robbie. And by the way, um, this is this is, this is is a total gift from me. No pressure to become a client. And also, if this doesn't feel right for you for any reason, that's perfect too. Um, I won't be offended if you say no. Um, and that's invitation number one. You can do that once a week forever, right? Because you, you know people. And you can start with the easiest people. You can start with, I started with my sister um, and, and then did my close friends and family. And it's like, that's how I started because those were the people who I was least scared of inviting. And gradually you can grow that until you'll feel much more comfortable. Your confidence will increase over time, just like mine did with writing and sharing things online. The other invitation you can do is in some ways even more powerful, um, and in some ways, it's a it's a closer to it's closer to um, it's closer to the pure invitation, because these people could become clients, albeit with all of these twelve minute practices. You have to detach from the outcome. The purpose has to be the practice. It has to be about who do you want to become, what do you want to be good at in five years, what are you just practicing here? You're just practicing. As soon as the desperation becomes about creating coaching clients, everything will go off. Um, uh, whilst you can maintain it, this is about me practicing. Everything feels different. Here's here's another one. You can say, and I'm giving you this advice now, so you can say all of this with integrity. Hi, this is an email you can write, something you can say to somebody in person, but an email is a great one. Hi, I got some advice from another coach the other day to sit down and think of somebody that I would be really inspired and excited to coach. And I thought of you and here's why. And then you tell them in detail, amazing detail, um, why, as much detail as you can, why you would be inspired and excited to coach them. So it might be, because, um, you know, I remember that conversation we had about that new business that you're starting up, and I just loved the entrepreneurial feel of it. And I just got excited and inspired, and I've been thinking about it, every, like, most weeks ever since. And I've been wondering how you are, and I'd just love to be able to contribute to that. Um, I, I'm excited about what you're doing, and, and if it would be helpful to you, I'd love to offer you a coaching session as a gift from me. Uh, there'll be no pressure to become a client. Um, we'll, have, we'll have two hours or 90 minutes or whatever it is. We'll have two hours to sit down and focus on you and what's important to you. Um, and by the way, there's, like, if this doesn't feel right to you, there's no pressure for me to say yes. I won't be remotely offended. It's just something I'm able to offer right now. And when I sat down and thought about who I'd be most excited to offer it to, I thought of you. And then you can do that every week. That can be your 12-minute practice. You know, that can be uh, something you sit down and do every Monday morning. You sit down and think of the person you can think of who you'd be most excited to coach and you reach out and you send that invitation. And you can start with the people it's least scary to do if you want and build up. And of course, we have to do the things we need to do to make it a manageable thing to do and and make the act of courage manageable because confidence, remember, comes after courage. So to to develop your practice, to get better at sending invitations, for example, you you have to practice it and you'll need courage. It will be scary. Like, if it's not, you won't be growing. And if you're not growing, it's probably not worth doing. It's not easy to grow a coaching business. You have to be willing to take a leap of faith into the unknown. You have to be Indiana Jones and step out onto the bridge um, the bridge in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And then you then you realize you can scatter the, the pebbles and you know that the bridge is there, but you can't see it until you step. 
The thing for me that made that second invitation a manageable act of courage was to keep reminding myself what an amazing email that would be to receive. That somebody sat down, thought about who inspired and excited them, and they thought of me. And the more detail you can give, that's why that detail is important, the more of a gift that invitation is in and of itself, no matter what they say. So it's a connection thing in and of itself to, for somebody to feel seen in that way. It's coaching in and of itself. It's acknowledgement in and of itself. And so that is a really important uh, piece of this puzzle. How do you, whatever your 12-minute practice is, how do you detach from the outcome? And how do you also create the story and the conditions that make the act of courage required manageable? And of course, we've already talked about how do you create a habit that is manageable? That's why I'm saying one invitation a week. You know, um, in a minute, I'll talk about, uh, after the sting, I'll talk about how for some of the prosperous coach indicators, a habit like this may not be the right approach or may not always be the right approach. And how sometimes we might want to take um, a higher and more extraordinary level of outcome if we want quicker results. So look, if we're going to create a 12-minute practice for um, for growing a coaching business, for me, it would be in in the connect, or or really, if I was being totally honest, if I had to choose one, I would I would advise you to choose an invitation, twelve minute practice once a week. Uh, one invitation would be enough, one a week, and and the, the transformational effects on that on your coaching business over the next five years from doing that um, would be, in my view, if you if you're especially if you're starting from scratch, if you're near the beginning, would be absolutely enormous. Um, we'll talk a bit more about that in a sec, but before. Like like before the end of the episode, but before we do that, there's a couple of other things to say. So there are a couple. While we're talking about those prosperous coach lead indicators and using them to grow a coaching business, there are a couple of other ways to um, that I've learned about to use them. And whilst connect and um, invite lend them, so that those four those five things again. Remember, connect, invite, create, propose. That's the stuff from the book. Also, chasing nose is is the other piece. So. The ones that lend themselves best to a 12-minute practice are definitely um, connect and invite because those are completely within your control. And it's really good if the thing that that you're practicing in the 12-minute practice is completely within your control. Everything else is a bit less in your control. Um, now, with no's, you could have a practice where you you spend, a, you know, you every week your, you, your 12-minute practice is to get somebody to say no to you. And for example, there's an article on my website or on thecoachesjourney.com uh, called, I think, The Power of Chasing No, which was from a challenge that Rich gave me, which was to ask for a free coffee. Like you could just go into a coffee shop and ask for a free coffee. And if you wanted a no challenge, that could be it. Uh, in that article the funny part of the story is they said yes so I hadn't got a no so I then tried to give away the coffee and that was quite hard and I got quite a lot of no's to to a a free Americano from a stranger it turns out people will say no to that Um, until a backpacker type said yes spoiler alert too late for the spoiler alert I've just told you now but read the article it's uh, funny one of my friends once said I read it and I could feel how cringily embarrassing it was Uh, (laughs) that was great and the funny thing was it wasn't as embarrassing for me in the moment because of how it was as it probably was for him reading it so you could do a practice around chasing no's it's it's hard to do a a 12-minute practice around proposals if I was going to create a 12-minute practice around proposals it would be to have a friend who you could say your proposal to or to just say it to the mirror I mean to be honest if you said if you recorded you making a proposal to a client uh, maybe one that you had coming up or or one that you would had in the past 
and then you played that back to yourself and listened to it, um, that would actually be a pretty good deliberate practice on proposing. But it's, you know, better is to do it live. Like that's the best way to practice it. Similarly, coaching, like you could set that up, but it would be a little hard to do in 12 minutes. I mean, you could, you could, you could call somebody every week and say, I'm going to call. You could, you could get 10 people together and say, look, I, I want to practice where I'm, yeah, let's, this is fun. This will be fun. Um, you could find 10 people and you could say, look, I, I want to do 12 minutes of coaching once a week, every week. And I'd like it to be you 12. In fact, you could make this into an engagement. You could get people to pay you uh, £2 a week for this or £10 a week or £1,000 a week, depending on who you are and who they are. Um, you could say, I'm going to call one of you once a week, coach you for 12 minutes. Um, and, and that's the engagement. Uh, you could, you know, if you wanted to make it into a real thing, you could have like a Facebook group and all kinds of fun things. But um, <laughs> I love it when business ideas just emerge. Um, but uh, you could just have it saying, look, I need some help. Would you be up for being on my list? I'm going to call you once a week. Um, one of you once a week. So one of you will get a call. I'm going to coach you. We'll see how it goes. Um, but because those things are a little less in your control... There are some other ways that it can be useful to play with them. Some of you will have heard me talk about these before. So one, and, and I learned, um, I learned the first thing I'm going to talk about from the Prosperous Coach Salon that I did with Rich, and I, I ran it used to when I ran the Coach's Journey group coaching program, um, as opposed to the community. I used to do this with them. Very powerful thing to do, um, which is to to track weekly each of those indicators. So to to keep a record of how many people do you connect with. How many people do you invite into coaching conversations? How many powerful coaching conversations do you create? Um, how many uh, proposals do you make? And how much money do you make in proposals? And how many no's do you get? Like if you track those five things, in fact, in the Prosperous Coach Salon with Rich, he didn't track create, he just tracked the other four. Like that's a powerful thing. When we track something, we put our attention on it. We put our attention on it. We notice the opportunities more. It can be a little uncomfortable if you're doing it in a group. I certainly found it like that when, when I was doing it um, in the Prosperous Coach Salon. But um, it absolutely got me to practice. It's like, I want some more numbers in my report this week. It's a bit embarrassing that I haven't got more. Or it's a bit embarrassing that Minor Arius, who's guest on the podcast, he, he's just made a $10,000 proposal. Like, I haven't made any. Uh, I better get my, myself together. Um, so that kind of thing, the competition can drive us on and the tracking can be really useful. Then, you know, like, am I doing the things that I probably need to do to grow my coaching business? If you want to grow your coaching business in that way. Now, what I would say is if you're never inviting people into a conversation, you might not do a, a prosperous coach enrollment like I do, but, but you know, if you've got your chemistry call or whatever it is, if you're never inviting people into that, you're never going to have any clients. So that one has to be in there really. Um, you know, even if, and I would count as an invitation, for example, someone contacts me and says, I'd like to work with you. And we do, I do a, a few emails back and forth first. And then if, if it feels right, I'll say, well, let's have a coaching conversation. I'd love to invite you to do that. That's an invitation, right? If that's never happening, there's no clients, at least for me, almost, that's almost true. Not quite. Um, so tracking is one. Uh, and if you've got some people you can do that with, fantastic. Another is a challenge. Again, I, uh, I think we've talked about these before. We, we had a great um, Coach's Journey community call last autumn where we set two challenges um, and, and the people who did them have just learned so much from them as, as far as I can tell. One of them has given some amazingly detailed reports about just how much he's learned. Um, and, and Neil, that's, that's Neil, and he's done amazing work with that challenge. He's taken it and run with it and he knows and I know that the learning and the seeds that he's planted over that challenging thing, which was 100 invitations in about a three-month period, you know, that... He will be reaping the rewards of that for, for years to come. 
Um, Joel taught me the challenges, although he may have learned them from Rich. You can do a, an invitation challenge is a good one. Joel sent me uh, to invite 30 people this month. It was May 2016, I think. And that took my coaching business to a new level. And by the end of it, I practiced inviting people. I was someone who could do that invitation in writing and in person. And we played a money game. So we played a proposal challenge, which is 90 days. Could I make £80,000 worth of proposals? And I couldn't. But I got like 67000 And that that money game, that was one of the things that took me um, out of the part-time employment and, and into, uh, into full-time coaching. And um, I got really good at proposals over that time. So it's worth saying something which I think is quite important. Um, the coaching is a long game. Creating a coaching business in line with your values is likely to be a long game. Um, and the, you, it's important to think of it in that way um, because that takes you out of the attachment to the outcome. If I'm only in it for the next month, and if I, you know, then if I don't get a certain number of clients in the next month, I'm out, then the pressure is really high. But if I know I'm in coaching for the next five years, then the game becomes really different. So coaching is a long game. And that's why the 12-minute method could be such a powerful thing for you to grow your coaching business. Choose that thing, do it every week for five years, and you know I'm pretty sure you will change, um, your business will change, and whatever you're practicing once a week for five years, you will get much, much better at. That's what happened to me with my writing. It's also what happened to me through my coaching business as I've practiced these things regularly over that time. And we can't control the outcomes, and sometimes an extraordinary level of action leads to an extraordinary outcome. That's what I'm trying to do with my podcast challenge. Um, it's what those those invitation or those um, those money challenges, the money game challenges can do. They can lead to extraordinary outcomes. They won't. And it, like the 12-minute practice, you have to make them about, uh, about the practice. That's why it's a 90-day money game. And it's why your invitation challenge could be an invitation game. You could also have a create challenge. It could be something like, I've seen Rich set these up. It's like, your challenge for the next 30 days is to schedule 100 coaching conversations in the future. So they don't, they don't all have to happen in the 90 days, but your task is to get them in the diary. And they can, they can all be free. You, you're, you're, you're just going to pr- use this as a challenge to get them in the diary so you can practice creating powerful coaching experiences. There are other ways you could play with that as well. You could have one slot a week that is always open for that, that you can just give away and you, you, know, you, try, and, you try and schedule those, those calls in. Um, like I say, in some ways, no, cre- getting, collecting no's, creating powerful coaching conversations and making proposals are better suited to tracking or a challenge than a 12-minute practice. But we, you could do that. And if you want, um, I think the March Coaches Journey Community Call, if you're interested in help designing a challenge, I love doing that. Like I said, the March one is open to um, all membership levels. So you can pay £10, join that, join for that call. We can create a challenge together. And if, if you want to stop the, the program after that, you can. Um, Similarly, if you want to help designing a 12-minute practice, that could be a fun thing to do in a Coach's Journey community call. So that really brings us to the end of this episode. Um, before before we, we sign off the episode, I want to just kind of bring us back to the 12-minute method for coaches. So be thinking, who do you want to become? It's one of the big questions about the, you know, for the 12-minute method. And then ask yourself, what do they do? And if you want to become um, a coach with a successful business, you know, who's thriving as a human while they do it, then I'm telling you what some successful coaches who thrive as humans while they do it do. 
because um, the second question is what do those who, who, who do you want to become and then what do they do well I'm telling you they connect with people they invite people into coaching conversations they create powerful coaching experiences they get a load of no's um, and they make proposals they say it costs this much money to work with me for this amount of time and then the 12 minute practice the 12 minute method game is uh, make a practice of that and and what I'm saying to you is um, you know a good place to make that practice is connect or invite Remember, this is a long game. This is the tortoise, not the hare. So you can do an extraordinary level of action now for the next 30 days, 90 days, if you want. Do it on, like, uh, do an invitation game, do a proposals challenge, do something else, do a content creation thing. Although I would say that they are, like I said, creating a body of work is good. But if what you want is more clients, it is um, far less reliable a part of the coaching flywheel than connecting, inviting, creating, and proposing. Um... And if you do the, you know, the only thing it will do is help you connect. Um, but you can connect much more directly and you can invite much more directly than, than by posting on Instagram every day for the next 100 days, which would be quite a fun creative challenge, but not so good for growing a coaching business. Remember, long game, tortoise not hare, nothing beats small and regular. Unless you're going to keep up your, you know, 10 invitations a week for the next five years, better to do two invitations a week for the next five years. Remember, this is all about practice. Like in five years, what do you want to be good at? And like I say, I am really glad that my coaching business has had me help, had me practicing connecting with people. It's had me practicing understanding my own value by making proposals. It's had me practicing offering things to people and being courageous and vulnerable and saying, here's the thing, do you want to do it? And then facing the rejections and getting better at that, collecting the no's, um, being okay with them um, in a completely different way. Like I got a one-star rating for my book the other day. It's like, it did affect me, but not for very long compared to how it would have six, seven years ago. Um, and of course, I'm really glad that my coaching business has had me practicing creating really powerful coaching conversations. So what do you want to be good at in five years? And then look, remember that we have to create the story and the conditions that make our 12-minute practice a manageable act of courage each time. So start easy, give yourself the way out, make it as obsess about enough. That's one of my favorite uh, Seth Godin blog posts. It's about the Bannister method, which is most people obsess about as much as possible. But what if, like Roger Bannister, when he broke the four-minute mile, you just obsess about doing exactly enough? So make your 12-minute practice exactly enough and not, a, not a, a little bit more. Make it exactly challenging enough so that you'll be growing, so that it's a bit scary, but no more. We want this to build your confidence, build your self-efficacy. Um, we're not interested in crazy challenges. We're interested in something that stretches you, but that you can keep going every week for five or six years if you choose to. And we have to detach from the outcome. So this has to be about practicing something that in 10 years, in five years, in 10 years, will really serve you in your coaching business. And right now, yes, like you're partly doing it because you know you have to hold this paradox. You're partly doing it because you know it might lead to coaching clients, but you have to do it in the meantime because you know you want to grow, because you know you want to get better at this thing, because this is a part, practicing this thing for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 12 minutes, you know, five hours if you want, but, but probably less than that, probably less than an hour, probably 30 minutes or less. Practicing this thing every week for that amount of time will make me into who I want to become. That's the reason you've got to do it. Not to speech marks, get clients. Because if you if it's about getting clients, everyone will feel that. You won't be learning. You won't be focusing on the craft. And you could change the practice if you want in time. And like I said, if I was to give you 
Um, any coach who ha- doesn't do this already, who wants more coaching clients, one, you know, if I was to give you a 12-minute method practice for growing your coaching business, it would be those two invitations. And it would be one or both of those things once a week. And if you do that, if you do two especially, two feels right to me in this moment, but it could be one if, because it needs to be right for you, not for, not for me. But if you did those two invitations, one of each, once a week, for the next five years, I think you would be different, your coaching business will be different, and the world would be better. Because all these amazing people that you know who have great networks would have received a coaching session from you, and all these amazing people who you've met who excite and inspire you would have received a coaching session from you, and the world will be a better place. And wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? So look, I hope that you have um, enjoyed hearing from me about the 12-minute method, um, about some of the important aspects of that and about ways to apply it to your coaching business when thinking about the prosperous coach approach, particularly thinking about that kind of flywheel mentality of if I do this enough, I almost can't help getting more clients. Um, If you're going to apply the 12-minute method, there's a free um, 12-minute method Facebook group that you can find. Uh, You can find it probably just by searching 12-minute method on Facebook. Um, It's also got a link from robbieswale.com. Come and join. There's a few coaches in there already. Love to see you there. Um, You can also come to the the Coaches Journey community, of course. Um, I'll talk a bit more of that. After the uh, after the sting in the outro about how you do that and what it is, but like that's a great place. Come say to me if you're a member of the community already. Come say to me, look, I want to design a 12 minute method for my for growing my coaching business, and we can do that together on the call. Um, and it'll be a very generous thing because if we design one for you, probably there'll be somebody else on the call who'll find that really valuable too. Um, and be in touch. Um, if you buy the book, there's a little worksheet about designing a. a a 12-minute practice as well. Um, there's, there's loads of stuff in that book that's that's insightful for coaches. So check it out. Um, and if you checked it out and enjoyed it, leave a review. Um, I'm very happy to have a one-star rating because I felt like it looked a bit untrustworthy to have only five stars. But now I've had a one-star, I just want lots more five stars. So, you know, please, please leave, come, leave a review, all that kind of thing. Um, remember my, also, the last thing you could do to help, um, remember my 100 podcast challenge. If you know of a podcast that you think I would be a great guest on, um, let me know. I'll approach them. Or if you know, if you have a podcast or know someone who does, um, please uh, connect me or or reach out to them and suggest me as a guest. Um, it's like one of the things I think, like I already said in this episode, I say quite often about the hundred podcast challenge. The invitation challenge was the same. The proposal challenge was the same. It makes me ask for help, and asking for help is one of the one of the trickiest things for me. Um, and and and. As, as Robert said, um, as I said at the start, the next level of success needs a new level of collaboration. Um, and that means help from people sometimes like help finding great podcasts for me to go on. Um, yeah, so look, thanks so much for listening. Best of luck with your coaching business. Please reach out if I can help with anything to do with anything you've heard in this episode. Um, I want your coaching business to succeed because I really believe in coaching. I believe in creating things. I think the world is going to be changed by ordinary people making cool things happen. And a coaching business is a cool thing which adds to the world. So wishing you all the success with that. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Okay, thanks so much for listening. Me again, just one more time, just to say, if you've loved this episode, if you um, love the Coach's Journey podcast, you might be interested in supporting the podcast to keep it going. And there are two ways you can do that. Um, 
that you can just become a supporter. If you just want to be super generous, give some money that helps, you know, pay for this podcast so that, um, and also pay for some of the marketing support so it reaches, reaches new people, um, just become a supporter. You could pay as little as five pounds a month. It makes a real difference. I'm so grateful to those, those supporters, um, uh, who, who I already have. It's an incredibly generous thing that I, every now and again, I catch myself and I think, wow, that's an amazing thing. That There's not many, but just those few special people. So if you're a supporter and you're listening to this, know that I think about you specifically. Um, you know, it's amazing that you give that money. I'm, I'm so grateful. It really tells me that I'm doing some good work here. So thank you. Um, and you might want to support the podcast by also getting some great coaching and being part of a lovely community of, of coaches, which is which is growing and it's wonderful and it's exciting. Um, and uh, that is the Coaches Journey community. Uh, you can that that involves. So I'll be your coach um, for as long as you want. It's the most affordable, flexible way of working with me. Um, you can sign up when you want, stop when you want. You can pay as little as about ten pounds a month, as much as about a hundred pounds a month for for different amounts. You get to come to a different number of community calls. Um, each month, uh, you also, if you if you join as a full member, um, which is the limited number of those, you get to come to all ten calls, um, and you get some one on one time with me. And actually, a new benefit that's that's gonna that's just opened up is that you get to, um, you know, you have just got two one on one calls with me a year, but I'm going to open that up so that as you get two calls as part of your membership, so the chance to buy um, some more calls to make it a more intense coaching relationship that we have, because that's something I've been. Uh, missing or wanted to make available for those members that need it and it won't be everybody who want it um, so there's a chance to buy that at a kind of speech mark discounted rate um, so a fairly affordable again fairly pretty much the most affordable way to get some one-on-one time with me now is 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 through those those extra sessions um yeah, you can find out loads about that at the coachesjourney.com slash community you can sign up um to do that or be a patron um, be a supporter at patreon.com slash the coach's journey um, the other thing I want to say about that is that um, the prices are of the of the community membership not the supporters are going to go up a little bit um, at the end of March and so um, if you're signed up by then your 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 um, membership will never go up so if you are already a member at that point um, you'll stick at the current prices but if you uh, sign up after that um, it's likely that the prices will have gone up at the at the start of April um so you might want to get in now so it'll it'll just be about 10 percent that it'll go up but it'll go up a little bit so i wanted to let you know that in case you've been thinking about joining the other good reason to join now is that um uh the march call is open to everyone so you can come along to that by just signing up at the 10 pounds a month level um and then if you like it you can stay a member and or upgrade and if you don't like it you can just cancel and no hard feelings and i it's a great practice for me that's another practice for me detachment from it it's just like trust that the people will come when they want trust that the people will leave that when they want and and that's all um a good thing to practice it's another thing to practice as part of a coaching business being detached from are people a client or are they not so look if you want to do any of those things um i'd love to have you as part of the coach's journey community if you're a supporter you will have you'll have that special place in my heart that those those few supporters that i have um right now um absolutely do uh of course also if you want to support the podcast tell someone about it share it come like us on on facebook or linkedin um like the posts there so share them so that so that the word word gets out um yeah and of course you can also buy my book if you want to learn more about the 12 minute method if you want to support my work um so look wishing you a wonderful rest of the day thanks so much for listening um, and see you sometime soon on the coach's journey podcast <laughs>